welcome to episode 14 of the Connected Podcast on Relay FM. Today is Wednesday, November 19th. Uh, my name is Steven, and I am joined by my Italian co-host, Mr. Federico Vitici. Hey, Steven. Hello, friend. Just you and me. How are you doing, man? I'm good. Uh, Mike is uh, at a concert tonight. I think I think Jack Someplace. White. Yeah. White. The guy's having a good time. He's probably not thinking about follow-up or any of that yeah. stuff, you know? I, I'm always thinking about follow-up, if I were to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I know. I know. Like, when you wake up in the morning, you're yeah. like, oh, my God, I need to, like, follow-up. I need follow-up on the things. <laughs> um, Spend your life following up. Yeah, I mean, you just gotta, you gotta circle back, you gotta follow up, you gotta revisit. Yeah, yeah go to the parking lot, yeah. Paying somebody for an update. Yeah, for uh, sure. Actually, paying is a verb in my OmniFocus more than I wish it was, but I'm a project manager. You ping people much? I ping them all the time. I'm like, hey, I downloaded this song on iTunes. Uh-huh. I see, I made a joke about ping. Yeah, that was really it used to be a... Yeah. So anyway, Mike is not here. Mike's not um, here. So we, I guess we, we need to save... Um, I don't know. We need to to say probably a, good, uh, a few words about Mike in general. Yeah, like a wake. <laughs> I always probably. make the, I always make the joke that he's dead. Yeah, <laughs> I was trying to avoid that this time. Yeah, um, but yeah, uh, we miss you, Mike. But you will be back. Yeah, but you're a, he's gone to a better place. <laughs> a Jack White a concert. concert. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Even. follow up. Yes. Follow up. So last week we talked, or yes, you guys talked about because I was, um, I was out last week. What was I doing last week? I have no idea. I don't remember why I was out. Oh yeah, you had a family thing or something. I don't remember what happened. Anyways, you sure you had a family thing? I don't. I honestly don't remember why I wasn't here (laughs) last week. Did you lie to us? (laughs) I don't remember. (laughs) Um, the uh. Follow up about old browsers and Again. the Relay FM website keeps coming in. So there's a new link in the show notes. Um, uh, a listener named Simon wrote in and has supplied four screenshots of Classilla on Mac OS 9, Internet Explorer on Mac OS 10.0, iCab on 10.1, and Camino on 10.2. And uh, so I put this. I put the these images on five twelve pixels today, and then Dr. Drang replied, running it uh, in Lynx, which is a command line browser. Look at all these pinstripes. Oh yeah, old, wow. yeah, old, old Mac OS before your time was really weird. Wow. Um, this is fascinating. So yeah, so Dr. Drang this, took this, this used to, to be this used to be a, an interface. It was the interface, man. That's how Austin looked. Look at look at the iCab icon in the. T- yeah, it's really it's a it's like a car, but like one that was drawn on a napkin. <laughs> Check out the old iTunes logo though; it's pretty cool. And Sherlock is in there. Where's the iTunes? Oh, Sherlock! Hey, it's right next to BB Edit, which looks the same as it does today. Wow! And Actually, the, the, out of all of these, Mail looks exactly the same, basically. And the Doctor, um, what is this? Like, did he did he did he write? Oh. Did he write the, the relay website in the terminal? Oh, Dr. Drang. Um, no, Lynx is a uh, command line browser. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know you don't have the command line on iOS because it's not a mm-hmm. real computer. Funny, but, um, yeah. Uh, so oh, yeah, yeah. You, you call this a real computer. <laughs> uh, tech, color, tech stuff. 
Yeah, actually, by this definition, OS nine wasn't it? You know, wasn't a you know classic Macs weren't real computers. Anyways, uh, so Doctor Drang has ended this forever. Um, Are you sure? Don't say forever. Uh, sure okay, we can, I'll say, we can I'll say get this. People. And actually, I could do this because I have Next Step running at home. I could do it in, in the next browser, but that sounds like a lot of work. Anyway, so this is this is really nice. I, I didn't think that you know um, a joke about Netscape and the show notes could uh, push people to send us these screenshots, which is awesome. Yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool. So Very that's nice. uh, that's in the uh, that's in the show notes. Where could the show notes be found, Federico? Should I should I give instructions again? No, or? just be neutral. Okay, so um, just point your web browser of choice uh, to re- relay.fm slash connected slash 14 as 14 because it's uh, the 14th episode of connected. So that's where you want to go. It's true. Each episode has a dedicated web page. You know, <laughs> really nice idea <laughs> to have the show notes in, in this way. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the Screenshot by Dr. Drang again. It is really nice that you got like purple text in the sponsors. Yeah, this is nice. Can you can you actually download uh, episodes in the from the uh, links terminal stuff? Uh, I I think so. <laughs> Crazy, uh, Steven. Yes. Let's move to another piece of follow up that I saved just for you. Okay. Okay. So we have a Twitter account for the show, which is underscore not David Smith, but connected the fam. And Patrick Walker, I think it's uh, the name, he sent us a link to um, basically an article about uh, a guy who used an on Mac Pro. I think, uh, correct me, Stephen, if I'm wrong, it's a Mac Pro G5. Power, Power Mac G5. Power Mac, Power Mac, so not Mac Pro, Power Mac uh, G5 uh, used um, basically as a barbecue. Yeah. Uh, The guy uh, took this old Mac, he removed uh, all the internals, of course. You don't want to grill your meat on top of a motherboard. And so he removed all the the internals and um, he he applied a few... uh, renovations I guess to to the to the to the basic structure and used the the, the power Mac as a grill um, and it worked uh, there's an image gallery on um, from from uh, this person um, that you can you can view your photos of uh, the end result uh, I'm pretty sure the, the Mac wasn't usable after the said <laughs> barbecue I'm not sure I'm not sure. Uh, but still, Stephen, maybe if your family pushes you to get rid of all your old Macs, maybe you could you could like have some fun with the barbecue, or maybe you could you could go fishing with a with a Mac Mini. I have no idea. You you could do a you know you could like repurpose all these old Macs into into a fun activity. I I, I do like the idea, and I do have yeah, a power Mac take G5 photos, tower. take photos, and we'll like the guy. Uh, the guy who's using the old Mac Pros as furniture. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. See? Well, I don't know. In, you could. Uh, it could be a thing. Yeah, you could use like 
your your old iMac as a as a I don't know as a fish tank. Yeah, that's a thing people do. That's a thing. Yeah, I know. I'm just trying to imagine your house as old Macs uh, repurposed as furniture. I'm sure, my, I'm sure my family would love that. Like, oh, where'd you set my cup? Oh, it's over on the Mac SE 30. Anyways, uh, speaking about my home life, okay, which is apparently this section of the follow up. Yeah, um, I tweeted last night. I got in a little bit in a little bit of trouble at home about photo management. So um, seriously. Yeah, no. You're a, you're taking like a, your photo management anger to no, your no, no. house? No, photo management anger was directed at me. Oh. So here's what happened. Oh. Um, so I ordered a topic for another day, but I ordered a Synology uh, network-attached storage device for the house. And I was telling my wife about it. And I was like, hey, you know, like, so right now her, I, her photos are on iPhoto, and my photos are all in my aforementioned crazy... Um, Dropbox system at home, right? So I sort by subject and then they're organized by date and Mary is using like iPhoto craziness, which is really unfortunate. Um, anyway, so I'm telling her like, hey, you know, maybe we can like, it would take a lot of work. Maybe we can combine our photo libraries, right? Because she has like a set of pictures of our kids and I have like a different, probably somewhat overlapping set of pictures. Like why not have them all in one place? Right? This seems to make sense. So I suggest this. And um, she's like, yeah, but like, I, I kind of have them organized in iPhoto by date. And I was like, oh, well, I have a, I have a script, I and mean, I use Hazel, to like rename the photos based on date. And she was like, what? Like, <laughs> you have what? Like, she, I think she said that she's like living in like iPhoto like slums while I'm off like organizing photos like a gentleman. Um, so I apologized. Uh, to her um and uh i think that we'll be merging photo libraries at some point onto the synology so that'll be an ongoing topic i'm sure but it's not uh it's not great so let me let me give you let me give you steven a suggestion because i i care about you um have you ever heard of this uh service called everpix <laughs> too soon you, you don't you don't you don't want to try this new photo management service, Steven? It's, it's really cool, you know. They got like this iPhone app, and you can like look at old photos. It's think, really nice. I think you're thinking of Picture Life. No, no, no. <laughs> you're thinking of yeah. no, it's Evernote context. You can just do an Evernote. <laughs> no, that's only if you take pictures of uh, like Wall Street Journal oh. journalists. Oh, yeah. So, um. Let me continue with my follow-up. Why, why do you do you have like this power of making me talk about photo management? Yes. Even if I don't, even even if I don't want to necessarily. Uh, so let me talk about uh, some follow-up to last week's episode when I talk when I talked about um, software preservation on the App Store. Uh, we got a lot of great feedback about that segment. Um, this is a this is a good sign because I thought that. It was just me. Instead, a lot of, I got a lot of people telling me that it's a that it's a real problem, and uh, you know, thanking me for for covering the topic. So thank you. I'm really glad uh, that we started a discussion. And I received today from listener. Uh, I cannot remember the name. Um, is uh, I think 
yeah, I cannot remember his name. So there's a, this website called CyberOne, which is a, a project to um, basically let you uh, play uh, the first base, uh, the first computer-based uh, video games from the 70s. And it's a really it's a really cool initiative because the, you got these basically games that came out over 40 years ago and you can play them in a web browser today. So um, I don't know if the same will be possible with apps <laughs> in 40 yeah, years. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, I like that their, their backup is a Mac G5 running Panther. So if they need to cook out later, they can use their backup server. Yeah. So uh, as you can see, there's a... Uh, last week I uh, I talked about the the Internet Archive um, various projects that they have to to play or use software in a web browser and this is another one so hopefully the Software Preservation Society will get in touch with these guys. That's um, pretty cool. Yeah, and speaking of software preservation, listener Eric Lehman. I'll go with Lehman. Lehman. Um, he has a nice uh, strategy for backing up apps from the App Store on his computer, which is to, uh, he said, I want to back up some of my favorite IPA files for historical purposes. And definitely that's the best way to, to back up old apps and actually the only way, because I get a lot of people telling me you can re-download um, apps from the App Store if you go to the Purchase tab and you look for an old app, and you can install it again, which works. Uh, you can get, for instance, the original Tweety uh, back on your phone. But the problem is that, uh, actually two problems with, the, with that, is that Apple could easily stop uh, allowing you to re-download old apps at some point. We don't know. Uh, so that's not a real alternative to having an actual file on your computer. And the second problem is that um, the original Tweety does not work right now because <laughs> yeah. of an API change at Twitter. So right. by backing up um, the IPA file on your computer, you don't fix the second problem uh, because apps that depend on APIs are still broken, but at least you keep an actual file around. Mm-hmm. Um, so my pitch tip, I guess, for this would be to use Hazel to always, if you have the space, you know, if you have uh, like a couple of hard drives that you don't don't know how to use, um, you can back up uh, each app update, the IPA file using Hazel every time the uh, media folder uh, of <laughs> iTunes changes in your finder because there's an app update. Um, back up your your applications to, to yeah. your hard drive, I guess, and I don't know. Maybe at some point you'll be able to restore Tweety. 2.1.3 for some reason and you will be happy. I will, I will say that, that that entire conversation um, means that you guys can no longer make fun of me for having like a bunch of old Macs at home. We, we see, we are the modern day I yes. guess. <laughs> what's, what's your, like I'm trying to think of a of a, of a like, like a class for you. Like you are like an old Mac. I, w- I wouldn't say like like a paladin. <sighs> yeah, I-, I need to come up with a with a 
with a better name for what we're trying to do. I do like Old Mac Paladin. It's, it suits you very well. Thank you. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a, real, that's a real thing, man. I, I really wish that uh, there's a... I, I really want to, for apps to, to be around. Um, not, and this is the, the point of maybe I struggled to, to stress last week. I don't think that we need to keep around every app ever made. Um, like, I'm not sure what's the value of keeping around all the Flappy Bird clones from the App Store or, you know, all the rip-offs and, and, and like, the scammy apps that you get on the, on the App Store and on the Google Play Store. But I'm trying to say that at least for many, many apps, there should be a system to, to make sure that in the future these don't get lost, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing with Mac hardware collection, right? Like, there's a bunch of really forgettable, non-important Macs in the 90s, but there are some that yeah. are significant for one reason or another. Yeah, same yeah, thing. that's... Uh, that's uh, I-, I can live with that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, Steven, why don't you tell me now before I talk about another kind of uh, old stuff being available again. Why don't you tell me about awesome stuff that helps Relay FM? Let me tell you about our friends at lynda.com. Nice. Lynda.com is an easy and affordable way to help individuals and organizations learn. With lynda.com, you get access to their growing library of hundreds of thousands of high-quality, well-produced video tutorials that can help you learn something new. Lynda.com is all about helping you turn an idea into a hobby or a hobby into a business. You can learn the the nuts and bolts of something, like learning uh, how logic works, how to record audio, but then you can go take business tracks, learn how to turn that into something profitable. The courses are broken down to really nicely sized like bite-sized chunks so you can jump in and out at your own pace you can follow a script along with the video and it's really easy to build a course or a set of courses that's tailored just to you with their custom playlist functionality Uh, linda's apps are available on the iphone the ipad and on android devices so you're not stuck at your computer to watch these you can go out and about and learn in, in different environments which is really helpful um I know Mike's been doing some stuff and he he's setting up his iPad with the Linda video playing and then like next to his computer, he can have the app that he's working on on his machine to kind of have it in different places. It's a really great way to take use of their, of their video tutorials. And these things, they're not like YouTube videos. These are high quality professional videos done by experts in the field that are put together. Um, and just a really, really nice professional way. They have classes in web design. You can learn HTML, CSS, things like Drupal or jQuery or Node.js. You name it, they have it. Um, We've got a lot of stuff in photography as well. You can learn the major photography apps like Lightroom, Aperture, Photoshop. But then again, there's practical things as well like lighting, uh, how to snap the perfect portrait, kind of the real world and the software world together. If there's some crazy reason you haven't tried out Lynda.com yet, uh, now's the time. We have a special extended 10-day free trial for listeners of this show. Uh, visit lynda.com slash connected to sign up. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash connected. Thank you to lynda.com for supporting our show and all of Relay FM. So, Stephen, I want to talk about tweets. Yes. Is that okay with you? 
old tweets especially. I was really dumb a few years ago. Yeah, I looked at mine and I'm... I'm pretty sure I'm still dumb in many ways, uh, but at least I got better at tweeting, I think. <laughs> My old tweets are really spectacularly awful. So like, what's going on? So th- what's the search thing? So yesterday, twi- Twitter announced that every public tweet since 2006, so since the very first tweet, uh, is now indexed and it's uh, searchable in the Twitter apps for the web and for iOS and Android. So it means that you can, using the same search feature that until a few days ago only gave you tweets for the past couple of weeks, now the same search feature gives you every tweet ever sent. And it's really fast. Twitter has the technical details of, a, of this, I guess, massive uh, engineering challenge um, I don't know uh, how many billions of tweets have been sent to date, but it must be must be a lot. Um, the search feature is really fast. I, knowing the text of my old tweets, I was able to find them just like any other tweet, only they are from 2009. And it's really fast. It's integrated with the with the Twitter app for for iOS quite quite well. You can. Uh, switch between the top tweets or all tweets. Right now, if you want to find every single old tweet, uh, you need to switch to the all tab. And the best part of all this is that you can use advanced search um, operators to refine your searches and find very specific tweets. So you can, for instance, use parameters to uh, filter usernames. You can filter links. You can filter pictures. You can use quotes, you can use any text string, um, you can do date filters if you want to look for tweets sent in a, on a specific day. Uh, it's really crazy. Uh, basically, you, you have the entire Twitter history at your fingertips uh, in the Twitter app for iPhone and iPad. And, it's, and, and, and the fact that you can find tweets from eight years ago is really... It's, it's, it's amazing to me. And of course, we need to mention that while this is awesome because it lets you find like old uh, thoughts that you were having or maybe uh, you want to make fun of yourself for being wrong about something, it also means that your dumb stuff uh, is now more easily accessible. And yeah. I, need to, I need to stress the fact that anyone can look for your old tweets if you are a public user. So last night I had fun like looking for the first John Gruber tweet about Tweety. Mm-hmm. I saw that. Which, which I think is the first. I've been testing this for a few weeks and I really like it. Tweet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but still, that's, that's just, you know, that was fun. But I can look for dumb stuff said by anyone, anyone basically. And so think about that for... if you, the, the, other, the other side, I guess, of this topic is that it's also easier for you to find an old tweet and delete it uh so because you can just search for it and and use the delete feature but yeah it's really awesome yeah it's um i was looking back through mine this morning and i will say it's it's finally reason to have the official um app on my device (laughs) like install the twitter app and put it in a folder (laughs) just for this um 
And what's interesting about it is I I kind of forgotten that on Twitter's homepage, uh, they used to ask, um, "What are you doing?" Like, and, and the idea with Twitter was to answer that question. Uh-huh. Um, and so my early early tweets, like a lot of people's, are like an answer to that question. Like, I think my first tweet ever was like laying out the newspaper in college. Yeah. I designed the student newspaper four nights a week, and so that was like my first, at least the first tweet that's still available. And so it's it's sort of interesting how the way we have used Twitter has changed. It, it, looking back through my early tweets, it feels much more like status update. Like, hey, I'm doing this. Yeah. Um, hey, I'm doing this later. I just did that. And now it's much more conversational. I think part of that is, right, there's a uh, community within Twitter that wasn't there eight years ago. It surely has a lot to do with it. But at the same time, I think just the way that we approach Twitter is very different. It's much more like stream of consciousness. Like, I don't feel like I have to answer that question. And I think getting rid of that question on their web app was huge. Um, it was in 2009, according to Mashable. Uh, they changed it from what are you doing to what's happening in 2009. But uh, it, it, it's a very cool. And like from an engineering perspective, it seems crazy that they have. Yeah. Like, I can't even imagine how many tweets... Um, yeah, I think I read that um, the entire index is stored in RAM. It's crazy. That seems. Uh, yeah, they have all the details in the in the blog post. It's yeah, crazy stuff going on. But it's a. I mean, we do. At least you guys do make fun of Twitter, especially the Twitter apps a lot. Uh, but you 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 have to admit, Stephen quite a technical achievement oh yeah yeah, uh, yeah definitely I mean, definitely i mean i think that the fact that twitter works like at the scale that it does is amazing but um i mean so i guess like the question is like so it's uh, it's cool right like it's funny to go see like the first mention of tweety or yeah. like people making fun of the mac pro name but mm-hmm. why is this like important to twitter as a company so yeah i've been thinking about this um I don't know. I mean, it feels like the right thing to do because, of course, you gotta give your entire archive to people and let people search. Uh, that's like we need to do this. It's the right thing for the for the users, right? And but I, I was also thinking about Twitter as a strategic, you know, entity. Like, what's the the benefit for us to to do this kind of uh, feature? And I was looking for some old tweets like a few minutes ago, and I noticed that uh, every time you, if, if you find um, a lot of search results, and every time you scroll to load more tweets, uh, you get an ad. So that may be a reason. It's another place to inject advertisement. I mean, yeah. it feels like the right thing to do. Once it's built, we can just let people use it. And if people use it, we can display more ads. Yeah. There, there must be also some kind of a brand slash engagement component. Like you can look for old commercials or you can look for old, yeah. I don't know, the elections the, or something. The first Pepsi tweet. <laughs> yeah, the first. What's the, the Spice Guy tweet? Uh, Remember that? Old Spice? Old Spice, yes. World, World Spice. World yeah. Spice. World Spice? No, they're a hosting company. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I think it's Old Spice. It definitely builds like 
I think Twitter needed to do something, at least for the nerd community, that was like a sign of goodwill. And I think this like falls into that category because a we're talking about it and, um, it is really cool. Like I had, I really enjoyed like looking through my early tweets this morning. Um, I mean, it was like horrifying sometimes, but, um, the the other thing that, that I really realized is like how quickly links die. So like talking about the app preservation oh, yeah. stuff over the last couple of weeks, the, um, you know, my site before, used to be called fork bomber and like all of the short links that I tweeted to that site yep. are dead. Like same. Yep. Just dead. And, um, and so it's, it's sort of interesting, like how quickly things die off online. Uh, and I thought it was a timely thought, you know, based on our conversation over the last couple of weeks, but I, I think it's a great, like goodwill gesture to the community. Um, you know, for a long time, it, like people weren't sure, what Twitter actually stored. And then I guess maybe a year ago or so you could start downloading your Twitter archive. Yeah. Um, which is still only a, like a one-time thing. Like you can't, there used to be a script. You could do it where you would like clone your Twitter archive over to Google drive. But I think that's, yeah, you, you got a, you got a request, the archive yeah. in your settings and you got an email with the download link. Right. And you click the link and you get a zip file. Yeah. yeah. And it's like JSON and stuff in it. Like it's not super. Yeah, there's um, a couple of apps that take advantage of the Twitter archive file to basically build um, a searchable archive. Uh, there's a tweet library by Menton Reese. Right. And there's a tweet seeker uh, by the same guy who makes Pushpin, the Pinboard client, um, which is Lionheart software. Um, but still, this is more impressive because it's real time search. You know, like you don't need to download anything. You can just go to the app and search. Um, but definitely about the, about the links, it's been a problem for me as well because all my old custom short URLs are dead, which is, I guess, the best argument in favor of using plain, straight up, normal URLs when you tweet about stuff. I, I still have um, a short URL for my stories, but the domain is, is expiring so I guess I'm going to re- renew the, doma- the domain for the short links, but uh, I think I'm switching to regular maxsorage.net links for Twitter. I think when they introduced t.co, which autom- they automatically wrap links in, mm-hmm. uh, and then they're automatically expanded in a lot of clients, I think the need for short URLs, unless you're like going to track the click numbers, like mine was a Bitly Pro account, so it ran Bitly, like through Bitly, so I could see like, okay, this has been clicked by 500 people or by six people like that was useful, but I think the need yeah. like, Oh, I need to make this URL as short as possible. So if it's in my tweet, like those days are more or less gone because Twitter does it anyways. Um, and so I think the need for like shortened, like vanity URLs is less than it used to be. Plus now you can go to the Twitter analytics and see exactly. the engagement rates right. for your tweets. Yeah. I actually do that quite a bit. It's a useful tool. I do check my engagement. Even that's good. Are you st- are you still engaged? Are you still engaged? Uh, yeah, with my audience a lot. <laughs> okay. The engagement rates are off the charts, really. Just like the customer said, a lot of rings. Yeah, <laughs> all over the place. Um, so yeah, this is a cool feature, and yeah, uh, I I also want to mention it is not available to third party Twitter clients at least for now. It's just for the Twitter website and the Twitter apps for iOS and Android. So poor Windows Phone. 
Yeah. Um, and Blackberry. <laughs> Do they still make a Twitter app for the Blackberry? Uh, it's um, an Android app, I think. <laughs> run Java. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, so it's cool. And it's definitely fun to play with. I had a good time. It, the search is surprisingly powerful. So you can search, like you said, based on user. But I can search like things that I have tweeted directed to you with a keyword in it. So I could find every tweet that I've ever tweeted at you with the word podcast in it. And it's like, it's really, if you know what you're looking for, very fine grained. And like you said, like you found the first like public tweet about the Tweety app. That's pretty impressive. Uh, If you know what you're looking for and you have some time to kind of work at it, you can really like drill down to what you want. I think this is going to be huge. Like if you do brand management or, or, you know, PR somewhere to like really see what people think about your brand um, long term, like I think it's going to be a really helpful tool if that's part of your of your job. What do people think about your brand? Even they love it. They love it. They're engaged, just, right? They're, man, they're engaged and they're uh, collecting old Macs, and it's just really great. Is that your brand? I don't old know. Mac. I don't know. Cool. So, so I had a I had a bit of a when Relay launched. This is a little real talk time, Federico. Okay. Just between you. And are we I. are we talking about feelings? We're talking about feelings. Okay. Um, so I changed my URL on my Twitter profile to relay.fm instead of 512pixels.net, um, which I really like struggled over because like 512 was my main identity online for a long time. And now it's relay. And like, it was a very like kind of like moment. I was like, I have to decide like people who come across my Twitter, where do I want to send them? And um, relay is a much bigger deal than 512 is and so i changed it but it was kind of like a it was a little hard decision to make there for a second just to be honest it was hard but uh Um, mike was actually surprised i did it what happened after i changed it to relay fm and now my site is just fine no one it hasn't been a big difference so i i remember pork bomber that was really nice i think that I don't remember how I first got to know you, but it was through Fork for oh, Bomber. It was the bro show. I'm just kidding. Probably not the no, bro show. No, it was... I'm you linked trying. to me No, no, no. I know, on. I know. You had a guide for Gmail That's as a right. PDF. I did. Yeah. Yeah. You Man, know, you, were still... making, you were making guides. You, st- you need to make guides against you. God, so much work. I still get an email about that thing. So it was back when... Gmail first kind of broke away from the IMAP thing in a big way. And it was like how to make Gmail work more like an IMAP thing in mail. So I wrote it up, made a PDF, put it on my site. And it went, it went I mean, and to, for several years, it was like the biggest single post on the site. It's been eclipsed by several things now. But it was huge for a while. And I, I for a long time, it's really trailed off. I used to get emails about it, like, hey, can you update this? Or, hey... Like people were like asking me Gmail technical support questions. I was like, I can't like troubleshoot your settings for you. Like I don't know what you want from me. But uh, that's funny. Google brought us together, Federico. Mike, would... isn't that creepy? <laughs> <laughs> Mike would be happy with that irony. Yeah. Oh man, <clears throat> this episode of Connected is also brought to you by Hover, our favorite way to register domain names it's been my place of choice for years well before relay existed well before they were a sponsor um hover the best simplest just nicest way to buy a domain name if you have an idea for a project 
uh, you may know, naming is the hardest thing. And you finally get a good name. You want to see if the domain you need is available. Uh, well, Hover has this really great search tool. You can put your keywords in. You can put your company name in that you're thinking about. And it will tell you what domains are available or not available. But also gives you suggestions, which is really helpful. And if you want to go like crazy, they have a bunch of crazy TLDs like .plumbing, .sexy, .coffee. Like if that tickles your fancy and works with your brand, you can you can purchase those right there. They have all those crazy TLDs now. Because um, if, if I mean, Federico, you know, if you're trying to buy a .com or .net, it can be really hard. Um, but they've got uh, over 200 options now at Hover, which is really great. Um, but the good old-fashioned .com is available for $12.99 most of the time and includes who is privacy for free, so someone looks up your domain, they don't have your home address. And all that's uh, nice and private with all of Hover, uh, all of their domains, which I think is really great. Um, but really, my, my favorite part of Hover is just their fantastic customer support. If you do have a problem, you can pick up the phone and talk to a human. You're not going to get transferred. You're not going to be put on hold. You get a person who knows what they're doing on the other end, and that is like... It's so key in the technology space, and the cover really stands alone in that. Um, however, if you do prefer robots, they have great support documents and guides on their website, uh, as well as, as great email support, which I've used in the past. Um, and if you don't want to deal with it at all, if you want that that high-touch experience, you can use their valet service, where it take, they take care of all of it for you. So if you're moving a domain from a, another registrar into Hover, um, they can take care of that, you know, dealing with the unlock codes and all that stuff you have to do. They can just take care of it, and that that valley service really is really is great. Um, so you should go to Hover and check them out. Um, if you use the code follow up all one word, and at checkout, you'll get ten percent off your first purchase at Hover.com and show your support for Connected and Relay FM. We'd like to thank Hover. Super nice, super great way to buy domains for supporting us. And uh, go check them out. Again, that, that code for 10% off is follow-up. 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 <clears throat> Someone emailed us, said they, they, missed the, uh, they missed the sound effects. I should put them in because I'm... I mean, who I'm, doesn't? I'm, I'm editing this week. Mike can't stop me. Oh. Follow-up. Do you want to talk about the Apple Watch? I do. Specifically, do you want to talk about WatchKit? I do. It's almost like we're looking at the same document. <laughs> right? I mean, it's, we have this weird uh, connection between us. I think are, it's because Mike connected. is not in the middle this week. It's finally just us. Yeah. I mean, that guy. <laughs> right? I'm, I'm Poor Mike. So, Stephen, hack it. Yes. Of 512 fame. Um, are you familiar with, uh, with watches? I'm wearing like, one. Like smart watches. You, you can see the time on your wrist. And Apple is making a watch. And like you can make apps for the watch. Sort right? of. You can sort of make. You can, <laughs> you can sort of make apps. There's an asterisk after that. There's a, new develop, there's a new developer tool called WatchKit that's been released to developers this week, yesterday. And it comes with a new beta of iOS called iOS 8.2. Um, WatchKit Watch is a set of um, developer tools, APIs, frameworks to make software for the Apple Watch. And, it, and it's actually three kinds of software. You can make a WatchKit app, which is not the same as a watch app. Pay attention. It's a WatchKit app. You can make glances, which is basically widgets for the Apple Watch. And you can make actionable notifications. 
So I guess I need to add some context to this discussion is that when Apple announced the Apple Watch, they showcased all these features, uh, but they also showed, uh, I think, native apps for the Apple Watch. Uh, but those aren't coming at, until later next year. So Apple yesterday published a press release. They announced all this watch kit stuff, but they, they added like a note, like an asterisk at the bottom, and they said uh, fully native apps for the Apple Watch will be available later next year. Uh, so speculation is that uh, a real native SDK for the Apple Watch will be released at the WWDC next year. So today we need to talk about WatchKit, which is basically a way to let the iPhone run uh, applications on the Apple Watch. The entire system is based on extensions, on handoff, and all these uh, extensibility features that Apple announced at WWDC for iOS 8. And now they are using all these uh, these features as basically the system that will run the initial wave of uh, Apple Watch apps. A glance is a widget uh, on your Apple Watch. Is it called the home screen on the Apple Watch? Uh, uh, yeah. I think it, uh, the home grid. I don't know. The home screen on the Apple Watch. Um, you can... Why are you tweeting at me? <laughs> You were tweeting during the show. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. So on the home screen of the Apple Watch, you can swipe up to access this. Um, it's like widgets, really, uh, for on iOS 8. Only it's widgets for watch stuff. Uh, and you can tap the widget to open the, the watch app. Then there's actionable notifications. So your phone is in your pocket. You get... A notification on your on your Apple Watch, and you can tap a button to like I don't know to like a photo or to perhaps mark a task as complete. And then there's the WatchKit app, which is a full app. Like it's got an interface. You can it's got an icon on your home screen. You can use the app. Only it's not a native app. It's uh, an extension that's on your phone. Right. The the phone is. Sort of like it's like a projection from the phone, yeah, to the watch. It's it can't live independently just on the watch, which is what is you know assumedly coming later. Like that's kind of the the difference, right? Sort of, yeah. It's so confusing. Can, it so. kind of yeah. So basically, right now, WatchKit apps depend on iPhone apps. So they are an extension, like I don't know, a share extension or a widget or a keyboard or an action extension. They are uh, pieces of an app stored inside the app that you buy from the app store. So, I don't know, let's say that I make an app and it's called, I don't know, Bitichist, right? And it lets you do stuff with, with I don't know, with Italian words. Let's, <laughs> let's just imagine this app, it's called Bitichist. <laughs> okay. And it lets you do stuff with Italian dictionary. You buy this app from the app store and it's got a bunch of extensions uh, you can like add Italian words from Safari and you can check the word of the day as a widget. And then there's a, a watch key extension. So when you open the app for the first time, if it sees that you got an Apple Watch uh, paired with your phone, it asks you, hey, do you want to enable the watch kit extension for this, uh, for Vitichist? And you enable the watch kit extension. And what happens is that basically the watch kit extension handles all the CPU and also the like the actual parts of the software that make the app work. 
And assets like images and graphical resources, they are cached on the, they can be cached, uh, they can be stored on the Apple Watch. I think right. that Apple said that uh, static assets uh, can pre rendered, right? Pre rendered actual static images, um, they can be cached up to 20 megabytes on the Apple Watch for each WatchKit app. And basically, what happens next is that every time you want to use a WatchKit app, um, what you see on your Apple Watch is powered by your phone, by your iPhone. Um, you use the app, but there's actually uh, like a transmission going on between what you do on the Apple Watch and the engine that's powering the app, which is, is on your phone. So there's a lot of wireless communication going on. Uh, Apple designed the system to hopefully be uh, really conscious when it comes to preserving battery life. Um, but still, the the conclusion to all this is that this is a Apple didn't want to enable fully native apps for the first release of the Apple Watch, pretty much like they didn't want to enable fully native apps for the for the iPhone in two thousand and seven. Um, we can discuss this in a few minutes, Stephen. Uh, but the the idea is that you can have apps for the Apple Watch when it comes out in a few months, but you will probably see the first real apps for the Apple Watch next year. So right now you get like a taste. You get all these WatchKit apps. They are like extensions. You need your iPhone. There's no app store for the Apple Watch. Developers cannot monetize uh, these WatchKit extensions just like they cannot they cannot monetize uh, widgets or you know extensions for a regular iOS app. They're a feature, essentially. It's not a, it's not a separate store. It's not a separate developer opportunity. It's just an extension with right. all the consequences that that entails. And which yeah, I mean, what, that's kind of like what I mean. It's kind of like what the Pebble does, right? Like you, you have like yeah. your phone is sort of like home base for the Pebble, and it's, it's especially true of Android Wear. Like Android Wear watches barely work without the presence of an Android phone. I mean, I, mean, I get it. Like it's, I would like full blown apps on day one. But I also want my watch to last all day. So, like, <laughs> it would be nice to, you know, I, I see the balance they're trying to strike with this, right? Yeah, about, I mean, it's, um, it's about battery life. It's got to be. Or it's, I mean, it's got to be about battery life, but it also got to be about, you know, unfinished APIs and developer frameworks. Um, it seems that um, the, the, the software that, uh, that the Apple Watch runs on is based on iOS. I saw a few folks on Twitter, uh, they are digging into the the iOS 8.2 beta, and it seems that Apple is using this framework called Pepper UI Core. Uh, that's the internal name for this new software that powers the, the Apple Watch. And this seems to be based on UIKit and UIView, all the stuff that iOS developers are familiar with. So it seems that the Apple Watch will run some version of iOS, just like the Apple TV runs a version of iOS. Right, sort um, of like a weird stepchild of it. Like it's not yeah. exactly the same, but it's a, it's a subset of what's available to a, an iPhone or an iPad. Yeah, and it could be that, that Apple is using um, 
Of course, they're using private frameworks and APIs for their own uh, native apps, and just like they were using, uh, you know, the, the private frameworks and APIs for the original iPhone for the native apps on the phone. Uh, and next year, developers will get access to a real SDK, which will allow them to build real apps with much, much more features. So right, to give you an example, Stephen, uh, right now, if you want to, to animate uh, like a spinner, like something that rotates on your Apple Watch, uh, you, uh, there's an example that I saw a link on Twitter. Uh, Apple is using a... Uh, basically 360 images of a circle yeah and and they Just animate those them Im- really quickly <laughs> and they animate those images in sequence and actually if you watch the video um from apple about the watch kit they do recommend using images uh sequentially to do animations which is fun you know because uh like i get it you want to save resources and you want to be extremely lightweight uh it's just it feels like a regression from, you know, I make iPhone apps and they do all these crazy features and now I want to do watch apps and I need to bundle all these images to fake an animation. I mean, it's it's really fine. Like, it's better to wait until next year than to get unfinished software today that it's battery life and gives the impression that the Apple Watch is basically like a really bad idea. So I, I, it's it's interesting to me that with the original iPhone... Apple had first-party apps and then told developers that they had a sweet solution. As as Steve (laughs) Jobs said, that you can make web apps and those web apps sucked. And now, I mean, it it is an upgrade from seven years ago because they are not native apps. You need to do this stuff with the static images and you have all sorts of limitations. But still, it's better than what used to be. I mean... uh, it's, it's an extension and you, you will be able to have more features next year, but still it's, I mean, it's a pretty nice system for the first version of the Apple Watch. So in the Apple press release, for example, there's um, Instagram already confirmed that they're wor- working on actionable notifications. Like you can like photos from your friends from the Apple Watch. You can send emoji as reactions, I guess, animated emoji. Uh, what's the, the name of the... Apple showed this, like, emoji that move. Oh, yeah, it's weird. It's their, yeah. They're weird looking. Yeah, they're weird looking, but I guess they will be pretty huge because people like these features, like this. I guess. Emoji. It, we we got to ask. We got to ask Casey about uh, yeah. moving emoji. It's it's interesting, too. Uh, I'm kind of talking about that. They, they also released a human interface guideline for the yeah. Apple Watch. And Did you read it? I've looked through it pretty heavily, and it's um, they are limiting, like apps are gonna look a lot alike. Like their first rule of in color and topography is use a black for your app's background color, <laughs> um, use your app's key color for branding or status, and like it's it's really uh, not really clear on how much they're going to allow developers to like do crazy things in their designs, um. So I'll put a link to the the human interface guidelines in the show notes. You don't have to be a developer to see them. Sadly, they don't have a PDF download of it, which is lame. But um, there's like whole things in here about like animation, um, and like branding and icon design. And, and in here, I don't, did you see this? Like the 38 millimeter and the 42 millimeter have like 
uh, I mean, obviously, like different um, size like displays. Um, so people were talking on Twitter about that. How the the displays are. I guess I guess the difference is bigger than people thought it was going to be. Um, yeah. Which is like I don't know why I don't know why it's a surprise, but um. Anyways, it's going to be a inter- very interesting like experience to like see these early apps, and I think. I think Apple was kind of up against it a little bit because like you and I are talking about like, Hey, this is like it was in 2007, 2008 and those early days of the iPhone. But like there was nothing really before the iPhone to compare it against, right? Like you had like really crappy games on your iPod nano and that was really it. But now it's like, Hey, the iPhone has been around when this thing comes for eight years and the app store has been around for seven and like people expect a certain level of experience on their mobile devices. And if the watch delivers some sort of like lower end experience, like, is that going to be a problem for Apple? Like understand why they're doing it. I think it's the right thing to do, but like it does come with that, that risk of people are going to look at it and be like, well, this doesn't do very much. Like, I I don't know. It's just going to be interesting to see how people react to this out in the real world. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that Apple wants to give the idea that the Apple Watch has apps, at least in some form. But I think that next year, people will go like, okay, these are the real Apple Watch apps. Because for instance, at least from what I uh, read in the documentation uh, so far, uh, the WatchKit apps, they cannot access uh, stuff like the heart rate sensor, in the Apple Watch. So there's all these features that the, the watch kit extensions don't get access to. And for that reason, the real possibilities, you know, integration with the with the Apple Watch hardware and back to the iPhone, uh, they will be possible only next year. So right now, Apple wants to say we do have apps, but the, the subtext is, yeah, but you want to wait until next year to get the real apps. And WWDC 2015 will be re- uh, really interesting. Not only because I plan to come, Stephen. Yes. For real this time. Um, <laughs> uh, but because there's all these, uh, like, the Apple Watch uh, SDK, yeah. and maybe there's a, there's a, Apple will have the time to really polish iOS, not just in terms of bugs and, and but also in terms of design, because when when I look at the at the documentation for the uh, human interface guidelines for the Apple Watch, the design language seems so much mature and like it takes the best stuff from iOS seven and iOS eight, but it also has elements from uh, the iOS that came before. And maybe the reason is that the Apple Watch screen is a completely different. Um, you know, it, it it comes with completely different interactions. It's a smaller screen, yeah. and you need to make to make out stuff clearly on the display. But I do believe that there's at least a fragment of Apple saying, "Yeah, we need to reverse some decisions when it comes to our mobile software design language." Right? Did you did you see the thing on the Verge about the um, like? There's a bunch of different ways to interact with the Apple Watch, and how we. Neil, I think it might be confusing, which I, I tend to okay, agree so with. L- let me ask you this: having how not ma- used it, <laughs> right? How, like first, 
Second, how many ways are there to interact with your iPhone? No, I mean, I mean, you can tap, you can scroll, you can long tap, you can swipe from the edge, you can yeah, swipe but it's from all, the but top it, and bottom. But it's all touch, right? Like, there's not true oh, there's the long home touch. button. There's the uh, but there's that is the power thing. button. There's the yeah. volume button you can use to take pictures. Yeah. I don't know. Like, okay, I I see what you're saying. Like, a lot of this less on the verge is like the same thing, right? Like, vertical swipes, horizontal swipes, edge swipes, all the same thing. Um, yeah. I Force mean, Touch just... and Digital Crown are the two worst names Apple has ever given anything. Um, I don't know. Just I worry that it's going to be a, until you like get into the habit of it, like learning it, how to do it quickly is going to be a little bit harder than the, than the iPhone was. Because remember too, the iPhone didn't do all this stuff on day one. It was tap, long tap, and scroll. Like they added the gesture stuff as time went on, but the watch is launching with all of it on a much smaller device. I don't know. I'm just curious, like what the learning curve is going to be the first time you put one on. I think all these gaps uh, right now, uh, basically the problem is that it's new and we don't know much and we haven't tried one. So, of course, uh, it's easy to say, oh my God, there's so much stuff here. And But also I think that the Verge article has all this, like they want to find all these different ways because, I mean, swipes, I mean, I get it, you know? I don't know, we'll see. Um, I, I wonder, because now, of course, I, I, I haven't got an Apple Watch yet, but I'm, I'm, I'm already thinking about, you know, the real Apple Watch apps with the native SDK, like all the possible features. Because right now, uh, I mean, I told you guys, uh, you, and, you and Mike, a while ago about, like, my idea for uh, integration with a, with a heart rate sensor, like... Like imagine if you had uh, like a maps application and you ask for, I don't know, walking directions to some place. And if you have a wearable device, it could look at your heart rate and kind of understand your fatigue and maybe mm-hmm. suggest a different, different direction. I don't know, it's just all these uh, possibilities that you get by you know putting sensors on your body and without the kind of access, uh, as you know, the first watch kit apps will will be. It kind of loses all this, this meaning, you know, this purpose. And so I guess we'll have to wait until next year. Are you getting an Apple Watch, Steven? I don't know. So I I floated this idea a couple of months ago on the show of like buying a Pebble to like integrate like notifications on my wrist into my life and see what I thought about that. And I haven't done it. And they, I think they just dropped the price a few weeks ago. So I might end up doing that to like, I know it's not really super comparable, but the idea of like, Hey, my wrist is telling me something like what that is like. Um, because I used the pebble when it first came out and it was terrible, but I think it's come a long way. So I don't, I really don't know. I, I really don't know at this point. Like it's really interesting. It, it's expensive. I mean, it could very well be expensive. So I, I just don't, I just don't know. Um, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to decide. I really want to see one. I think that's going to be a big thing. Like, I don't know. It'll be follow up in early 2015. You should, you should get, um, you should get an Apple watch. It is a business expense now for your wife for Valentine's day. There you go. I sent her a uh, a link. There's a monster truck rally in Memphis on Valentine's Day. I was like, "Hey, we should go to that," and she didn't respond to that email. Yeah, what? <laughs> Let me tell you about Tech Expander Touch. Okay, there we go. 
This episode of this episode of Connected is brought to you by Text Expander Touch from our friends at Smile. Uh, you guys all know what Text Expander is. You can have snippets. You type the snippet, and it auto expands to something longer. It's great to use for things you type often. I have them for addresses, email addresses, uh, forms. I have to use a lot. All sorts of good stuff. Um, and it can really save you significant time as uh, as you use it more and more. I've used it for years, and I've I've, I've got tons of time back. You can sync all these snippets across various devices via Dropbox. So you add a snippet on your Mac, your iPad knows about it. And uh, there's like 60 plus apps in the app store that have integrated snippets like Day One, OmniFocus, Fantastical, Launch Center Pro, Editorial, and many more. Many of the apps that Federico guys like you and I really love. But it's really cool with iOS 8 and Text Expander Touch 3. They have a custom keyboard, so you can flip over to their keyboard and type a snippet and expand anywhere. This means that you can send uh, an iMessage or an email on Apple's native mail app. Or in Safari, you could have a snippet for a URL you visit, and it automatically expand in the URL bar. In Safari, you can use it anywhere. You can use a keyboard on iOS 8. This is really great. It's available in 14 different languages. Uh, it's just it's just really really cool and and what's great about it is Tech Expander Touch respects your privacy. You know, iOS eight has this thing where they request full access for the keyboard. Um, it's doing this so the keyboard can talk to the main app. Smile respects your privacy, and they've updated their privacy policy, which you can read on their site, and telling you these guys are trustworthy. Um, it's really a great tool, and and that checkbox is no reason to ignore it. Uh, I really do love this keyboard. It's made a real improvement to my work on iOS. I've said before that if I sit down on a Mac without Text Expander, it feels broken. iOS is becoming that way very quickly for me as well because of this keyboard. Um, they've got uppercase and lowercase lettering on the keyboard, so you can you don't have to deal with a crazy shift key problem that's easy to make fun of. So you can go right now to the App Store and grab Text Expander Touch 3 and start saving time on iOS today. Um, you can learn more at smilesoftware.com slash connected. And uh, thank you very much to Smile Software and Text Expander Touch for their support of Connected and Relay FM. So we're an hour in. Yeah, we and are. We want, and we're going to talk about productivity. Oh. You sure you don't want to talk about feelings? We can talk about feelings some more. That's another show. Or we can talk about how the App Store instead of free now says get, which is weird. Did you see that, by the way? We'll just hijack this topic. Did you see this? What's going on in the App Store? Yeah. Uh, basically, um, Apple changed the the name of the button to download uh, uh, free apps from the App Store. It used to be called free. Uh, now it is called get. Did you see why Jason Snell had a piece? Um, yeah, apparently there was an EU yeah. ruling about it. God, Europe, man, way to go! Yeah. Way Regulations to go, in Europe. We do have the right laws. Basically, I think Google or some other company got like fined for advertising free apps as free, where whereas people were actually spending a lot of money or on in-app purchases, you know, stuff like right because like. Candy is free, or, yeah. but you can spend nine thousand dollars a month in in app purchases. Yeah, yeah. So I, I get why they're doing it. It's more transparent. I think "get" is a hilariously wrong word. Uh, yeah, I should. I I would have gone with install or download. Yeah, I think I think someone on Twitter said that the Android Play Store says download, 
which makes a lot more sense to me. But um, anyways, just sort of a, a sidebar. So you reviewed Todoist today. Yeah. To mm-hmm. do it, to doist, to doist. It's a mouthful. Um, so, what's up with to doist? So basically, I stopped using iCloud reminders, and I started using to doist because uh, I got a, lo- a whole lot busier this year uh, between new stuff for Mac stories and you know the Relay FM and. Uh, you know, the side business that I run with my girlfriend at Icons and Coffee. And we we started looking for a new apartment in Rome. So new projects, new people, new stuff that I need to care about. And I couldn't keep track of stuff in Reminders anymore. I wanted cross-platform support. I wanted collaboration features. I wanted to be able to collaborate with people to assign tasks to not to touch notes, uh, like to do more project management, I guess, than just lists of things in my reminders account. Uh, So I started looking for for new apps. I looked at basically, I think, the most popular ones, OmniFocus Things, Wonderlist. There's this other one called uh, Apigo To-Do, like it's the original to-do app on the App Store. Uh, there's another one called to do with the, with the, with the number, um, which is also popular. Um, I try all these different apps and I, and I went with to do is because it is for me the best, um, like it met all of my requirements and it's a, it's a, and it's a great service with, with, you know, great features that, People in our Apple slash iOS slash OS ten uh, circle, they don't usually mention it. I just know that Mike uh, Vardy um, likes it a lot. He's the only one that, that I know that likes to do it. Uh, so it, it intrigued me, you know, and and uh, so I started using it in late July, and and it's basically perfect for me. Uh, it, it's got apps for any major platform. Uh, it was updated on iOS today with uh, iOS 8 stuff like an extension. It's got a widget. It's got iPhone 6 support. Uh, its sync is crazy fast. It happens in real time. It's got all these collaboration features so I can share projects with my girlfriend and with uh, the MacStories team. Um, it's got integration with IFTTT, email apps, uh it has an open API. Uh, it's got all these integrations that I really like because it means that I can take my to-do list anywhere. But the, the best feature for me has been the filter stuff. You can build filters to create specific views just for you. You can, and I talked about this in my, in my review, uh, which uh, I really wanted to focus on how I... Remember two months ago, Stephen, when I posted all my iOS 8 app reviews? I do. Like in one day, yeah, it was like 20 articles. And and for me, that was quite a a struggle and a challenge because I spent basically two months writing uh, all the summer, testing apps, uh, submitting feedback, talking to developers, working with my team. And then in the last last few weeks, it was quite a, a... 
like the final stretch. It was it, it was really uh, difficult for me. Uh, it, I spent entire days just not leaving the house to to finish all these reviews and trying to get it you know to get them right uh, because I I really care about the kind of review that I put up on the site uh, because people like trust me at this point for software recommendations and I and I feel like I have a responsibility you know and so I really invest a lot of time in that. Uh, and we reminders, I wasn't able to keep track of anything anymore, um, especially when it comes to managing a team and like assigning articles and saying, hey, what's the status on this piece? Do I need to proofread the piece or do you need screenshots or do you need anything else? Uh, there's a lot of steps involved. And with filters in Todoist, I can create all these custom views um, that let me see stuff based on my like on what I want to do. So, for instance, I had a project with all my reviews, um, and each review had uh, labels uh, for stuff. Hey, this article needs to be uh, to be edited, or this article needs screenshots, or maybe you need to just go ahead and publish this this review. Mm-hmm. So, I could create all these filters that, like, when I wanted to proofread an article, I had a filter to just look at articles that needed to be. Right. Uh, to be checked. And so I, it lets me create these views that when you have a lot of tasks and stuff going on, it helps to like break down your to-do list in specific areas, you know? Right. And, that's that's kind of like, you're kind of using those tags as like a, like a status where like in something like yeah. OmniFocus, which is what I use, it would be like write article and then that would be done. You have a new task, edit article. That's yeah. done. Send a copy editor, you know, like, you're you're kind of changing the status of the task as it as it as it works its way through the process, and the filters let you kind of see that on a macro level. Yeah, it and seems I think pretty that, cool. And I think that filters also are more intuitive than perspectives in OmniFocus to, to put together because I never really quite under, understood the, all the settings, the settings and the, like the perspective window in OmniFocus, like it. It has menus that I don't fully understand, whereas filters are just you know it's a it's a it's a syntax. You you, you put together a bunch of uh, specific commands and it gives you a view. And 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 just I guess it just uh, works better for me. And yeah, I'm really a fan of the company. It's it's a they have a freemium model. Uh, you can pay an annual subscription to unlock more features, which is what I do. Um, they have integration with Dropbox, so you can attach files from Drop- from Dropbox to a task as a note, which is awesome when you're working with another person. Um, and it, so, yeah, the, the, basically, this this to do is I, I I need to to say that I'm usually extremely reluctant to switch uh, to do apps because I really don't want to talk about productivity. I, I feel like the best way to be productive <laughs> is to actually be productive, you know? Right. I don't want to, you know, it feels like a self... Uh, Fulfilling, like... Yeah, I, oh, I want to talk about productivity. Let's be productive. You know, it's useless in a way. But sure. sometimes, like, I wanted to tell people about Todoist. So uh, I wanna, I, I needed to switch and I needed a system that helped me better. So I wanted to write this review, and but I'm glad that it's done uh, because I, I like all this meta talk about productivity. Uh, it's like... Right. 
tiring. Yeah. No, for sure. And so I, I enjoyed the review. I've I've played with Todoist in the past. For me, the filtering and the label stuff doesn't quite click with the way uh, that I work. So, but if it did, like it's a great solution. I, I recommend it when people ask me. You know, hey, I'm looking for like a task management thing. It's definitely on the list. I mean, my solution is not really all that exciting. Like OmniFocus is a wonderful app. It's sort of the default for a lot of people with a lot of projects, which I I have a lot. I mean, you're busy. I'm crazy busy. Like day job, Relay FM, 512. You know, I'm the editor-in-chief of the suite setup now. Like <laughs> I have a house with full of children, like lots of things going on. And uh, what I really like about OmniFocus is that I can drill down um, but I struggle with it. Like I, I recently kind of burned OmniFocus to the ground. I actually took all my tasks out and put them like in another app for a while as I like rebuilt OmniFocus. Um, and for me, kind of what I'm what I'm really working on is like being much more liberal with what becomes a project. Basically, before projects were like lists in OmniFocus, and now I'm trying to be like, you know, like if it's like two tasks that are related, like make it a project, like giving things like a more fine grained home. And hopefully that, that helps me scale a little bit better. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Um, but the, the problem with OmniFocus for like, for me and Mike, for instance, is that we can't share tasks with each other with an OmniFocus. OmniFocus is a one person app. It, there's no sharing. There's no social stuff. And it, and even if it did like to do us might work fine for Mac stories. That's, you know, four, three, four, five people. But like my day job, we're a company of 20 people. And like, we, I mean, we use a professional like project management system called teamwork to handle all of our projects at rocket fuel, because there's a bunch of us and like, you have to move to a totally different world of, of task management at that point. Um, so, so like for you, Federico, like, do you have your like personal stuff and like you're assigning things to your writers all within to do it? Or is there like a separate yeah. app that you use for Mac story stuff and you can no, have no, a no. dividing line? No, 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 I don't have the energy to keep multiple to do apps. Yeah. Around. <laughs> no, it's just to do this. Yeah. Uh, because it, it's nice because you can just assign a project. You don't need to sign the entire, like your entire to do account to collaboration stuff. It's just on a project basis. Which is what I do. I have a MacStories Weekly project, and that's the shared one. So yeah, yeah, because the uh, like the regular articles, I don't always need to keep track, you know, with ta- with a task because the MacStories Weekly is a repetitive project. Like each week is the same tasks, so I need to know the status. Uh, but with freelance writers, especially, uh, I just assign them an article, and I don't need to keep track each day, you know. Just when they're done, I publish the article. Uh, but yeah, I do keep my all my personal stuff into this. I would have gone crazy without without personal stuff in there, and also stuff like exercise. You know, like you need to get up and move uh, because I need to be reminded because otherwise I forget about it. About it, you know. Yeah, it's a it's a great little. Not so little, actually. They got three million users, so uh, it's a great service. Yeah, yeah. I'm sort of envious that you have like one place for all of it. Like that's kind of the like because I have to use something to manage, you know, twenty people at work. Like 
I have to draw that line sometimes, like what's in like the company task management, like project management system. And I have to do assigned to me in there like all day across all sorts of different things. Right. And then I also have like what I put in OmniFocus for everything I do like at work that, because what a lot of what I do isn't in that team system because I'm on the project side. So like a lot of my tasks are just like dealing with clients and like working with deadlines and it's not like design homepage, you know, like build responsive site. Like it's not production work. It's sort of like soft skill. And so it's my attention is always in between like what's an omni focus for me and what's in teamwork where other people can see it and comment on it. And uh, I wish I could be an all in one system, but like the same is true even with relay. Mike and I use Wonderlist for like relay stuff because it is uh, shareable. Like we have shared list in there and, and, there's not for us at least there unfortunately there's not a single solution that we can all use like like you can so a, a little envious but um what can you do you can come work for me if you want i don't i don't think that would but i would make you write about ios as a no punishment. no i could be like the matt guy no 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 that's not fun at all it's in your url <laughs> um yeah, I mean, I think, you know, to your point about talking about, like, productivity, like, when I, so, like, when I spent, like, the couple of weeks, like, kind of, like, really rethinking how my OmniFocus is organized, like, it's very easy in all of these systems to, like, tinker, right? Like, well, like, what if I set my list up this way, or what if I set up my context that way, and you can spend time, like, cleaning house in your task management system without ever actually doing any work, which is the point of the system itself. And so it's definitely like, I, I, I liked in your review talking about like to do doesn't really let you tinker all that much. Like they have some pretty like hard and fast rules about how things work. And I think that's really good. You know, OmniFocus is very powerful, but with that comes some complexity. Um, now an OmniFocus, the secret is you can just ignore it. Like I do not use context. It, it, it makes no sense to me to like look at my tasks by what's available at a certain location or, um, what I can do if I'm on a certain device. So I, I do not use context whatsoever. And I, that really used to frustrate me in dealing with OmniFocus. But then I learned, I was like, well, I just, just don't look at it. Like, just ignore it. Take it out of the sidebar. It doesn't exist. And that's helped. But that, that tinkering, that always like plugging away at the system and the way it works is definitely a pain point, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah, in Todoist, you, you, you cannot actually... Uh modify stuff like oh i want to change icons i want to change themes i want to write you know apple scripts you just you cannot do that stuff you know and and for me it's like i can access the api i actually wrote, wrote a pythonista script a while ago uh, but since i got the is uh, 8 beta i i stopped using the url scheme the api i just don't care i want to use the app and i want to get stuff done yeah i because like this year that I got my my own place, um, I'm finding that there's a certain satisfaction to always uh, clean your house. Like even when you don't need to, because it makes you feel good when you see everything shining and you know polished. Like even when you just maybe you you cleaned like a few hours ago, you just want to clean again because it feels good. It feels nice. <laughs> feel and free to come it, hang out at my house anytime. Yeah, in 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 to do is you don't need to clean anything. You know. And that's really helpful, especially if you're the kind of guy who wants to 
find pleasure in always be optimizing your productivity. You know, and it's just do this and, and don't mess with us because we don't care kind of mentality into this and, and I really like it. So yeah, gets my seal of approval, which I haven't given out in a long time. But this time it gets it, you know. I still have some of those. I should put them on <laughs> I, things. Nice. <laughs> uh, I know that there's a there's my name uh, attached to objects around the globe, which is nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We gave a good bit out WWDC. They, they won't Ooh. ever be for sale. You have to be given one. I don't I know don't if I, if I should your... be creeped out or excited about it. I'm more excited, honestly. Uh, <laughs> it, it is kind of weird when you <laughs> when you think about it that there's a, a, yeah. a sticker with Vitici, which doesn't yeah. mean anything. Uh, you don't you don't want to know where I've put them. Uh, yeah, I used, to, I used to have one on my laptop. I don't have one on my laptop anymore. But, you know who's really good with stickers? Um, Matt Alexander. No, our deceased friend. <laughs> uh, he's not dead. Uh, I he's meant to say absent, absent friend, absent, absent from life. Sorry, sorry for the uh, sorry. wrong hey. adjective, Mike. It's not my fault. Um, cool. Yeah, productivity, I think it's an ongoing issue for those of us who have, you know, multiple, like, areas of responsibility, right? Like, that's one thing that you you read a lot about with GTD and, like, and not even, like, like, neither of us really hardcore follow GTD. Like, context is a big part of that. But, like, the thought of, like, what areas of responsibility do I have? And things actually cause them areas of responsibility. But, the, you know, for me, it's, you know, I've got home, I've got uh, my day job, I have relay, my business, like I have 512. And like, these are like areas, like sort of big pools of tasks and to do's and responsibilities. And like, most of my life falls into those categories. Um, and it, it seems like it, for those of us with a too many of those that you, 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 you can't stay with something like iCloud, iCloud reminders, like things like getting clear are great, but like, it's not powerful enough. If you really get into dealing with a lot of things that can be in a lot of different States and interlink and it, they just fall down. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's called reminders, you know, it's not called project or. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, but yeah. It's a and simple I, app. And you can't blame Apple for that. Like, like all like no, no. they have a notes app that's fine, but Evernote does a lot more. Like it's they they aim for the like lowest common denominator with their built-in software. I think that's fine because it leaves a lot of room in the market for apps like Todoist or OmniFocus or Things or whatever uh, to take. You know, like if you just need reminders, hey, that's great, we have it built in. But if you need more, there's a there's a bunch of options for you, and that's like sort of the beauty of the App Store, right? That there are so many options for these things. Like Todoist isn't for me, but it is for you. And I like OmniFocus, but you don't, uh, or you, you don't you don't use it daily. So it's um, that flexibility and like the options the App Store give us, or what make iOS so powerful. I think it's great. It's good stuff. I agree, Stephen. Did you get choked up there when I said iOS was powerful? I kind of felt you. Kind of, yeah. Kind of get caught in the back of your throat. Yeah, it's like, oh my God, I can't believe it. <laughs> we, should, uh, we should wrap up at that, I think. Yeah. Can I, can I give people instructions? Like for life? 
No, oh, no for oh, like you do the thing. The end of the show. Stuff. Yeah, take do it. Okay, so um, this is new to me. Um, so if you if you want to follow us, you can find us at uh, underscore connected FM on Twitter. Uh, you can find the show notes at relay.fm slash connected slash 14. And the people in this episode are Steven, he is ISMH on Twitter, and myself, I am VTC, V-I-T-I-C-C-I on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. And you messed up your own the, handle. Yeah, there's the, the other guy who's uh, out drinking and listening to Jack White is Mike, is at iMike with a Y on Twitter. Uh, he's a nice guy, I guess. He's from the, he's from a British island, and uh, yeah, he's he's a, he's a gentleman. And we want to thank to thank our sponsors for the show, uh, Linda Hover and Smile. Right? Am I right, Simon? Yes. Those are awesome sponsors. So go check them out, and please say that you know we 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 brought you to the sponsors because they they like it. And because we like it, you know, we like to recommend products to people. Uh, what else should I tell people, Stephen? Uh, I don't know. Our websites. Our websites. Uh, we do have a website, you know. Uh, for instance, I write for a living at MacStories.net. I write about, I write about stuff, I guess, like <laughs> Apple stuff. And you also write about Apple stuff, but more also like about web stuff at 512pixels.net. And Mike, Mike doesn't have a website quite yet. Here's uh, MikeHurley.net. Yeah. I think yeah. it's just his face. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even follow up. So last week we were talking about how easy it is to do a personal landing page on um, Squarespace. And I did that. So I have one of those now. The end. Nice. So yeah, please uh, go check out our show notes. You can read the show notes in your podcast client of choice if you want. You can see our website. You can go to the sponsors. You can follow. It. Basically, you can like stalk us online. Please don't do so, but just be a nice person on the internet. And so, thanks everybody for listening to this week's episode. Say goodbye, Stephen. Adios. Arrivederci. <laughs>